Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Victoria Benyon, and the founder of the Victoria Benyon Podcast Booking Agency. And you're listening to The Best Guest, the podcast for business owners, creatives, and entrepreneurs who want to harness the power of podcasts to grow their platforms and increase their visibility. We're here to support you on your journey, bringing you actionable tips with each episode. Now, let's begin. Today, I'm really pleased to welcome to the podcast, Tim Lewis. Now, Tim has been self-employed since 2014, first writing science fiction and fantasy books, then the book, Social Media Networking in 2018. After that, Tim concentrated on social media training and helping people self-publish their books. He was the host of the Begin Self-Publishing podcast between 2016 and 2019 and ran the Indie Author Chat Twitter chat for the Alliance of Independent Authors between 2019 and 2022. Currently, Tim is the co-host of Oh No, Not Another Live Show, which is a general interest interview show. He also runs Book Chat Live, a show which is on Amazon Live and YouTube, where he talks to authors and book lovers about their favourite books. And Tim is the creator of the Tim Lewis TCF YouTube channel, where he talks about his efforts to visit every state in the US. He's currently at 49 states with just one to go and general travel advice as he is a serial US traveler. Welcome to the podcast, Tim. It's great to see you today. It's great to be here, Victoria. Now, I think we've known each other for almost two years now. Would that be right? Uh, Yeah. 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 We met marketing world yeah that's right social media marketing world in 2022 and you were introduced to me as conference tim (laughs) as you are quite the expert when it comes to conferences for business and travel which is something i'm really looking forward to talking to you about as well as hosting podcasts and live shows which is also something that you've been doing for a long time so welcome Oh, thanks for having me. I would say I'm really only known as a conference expert because I go to so many conferences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose it's, a, it's expertise by experience. I was go- I was trying to rebrand myself as like a conference guy and then COVID hit. So whether um, I actually end up doing that is another mm-hmm. matter. Yeah, certainly happy to impart knowledge. Excellent. That's very helpful. So how many conferences have you been to? Do you know? In total? Yeah. Well, how many do you go to a year? That's easier. <laughs> I have been, one year I counted up, I've been to 15 or 16. Okay. A typical year that's not COVID is like maybe 10 or so. Mm-hmm. I just like the the social interaction because I live on my own mm-hmm. and I like the social interaction of business owners going to conferences. Yeah. And they are also a fantastic connection and opportunity. Oh, and also... Sure. If a conference is in somewhere I want to go, that helps a lot as well because I do like travel. Mm. So, is yeah, it forty nine so states you've been to? Sorry, yes, I have been to forty nine states. I had this. Well, I, I kind of. I think it was two thousand and seventeen, two thousand eighteen. Saw this challenge that people were doing where they were trying to visit all fifty states by the age of fifty. Right. And I thought, well, I can do that because I've already been to like. 13 or whatever and I started going getting into so from that point I I didn't do it by 50 because of the global pandemic 
but uh, I will have do it by 51, which is next time year, and I will visit Hawaii just before Social Media Marketing World next year. So, Oh, that's good yeah. going. Yeah. So I have visited 49 states without using, without driving a car, which people find hard to believe. Mm-hmm. So I've been using Ubers, Lyfts, and public transport in the US, which is... Okay. Easier than you'd expect, but still not ideal at times. <laughs> no, I'd be with you there, though. I'm quite nervous to drive on the other side of the road. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't <laughs> be driving much in the UK, so I thought of driving in the US, even somewhere like Montana, where it's me versus the moose, would be <laughs> Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. yeah, definitely Uber all the way. <laughs> yeah. So while you've been travelling, you've learned quite a lot about business travel and you wrote this great LinkedIn article that I was reading on how you got BA silver status from one airfare and all the benefits of airline schemes which I had no idea about yeah could you talk about that well the funny thing is like and this is something I've noticed in the last few years and I haven't really mastered this on the business side but I have mastered it a few areas if you can find the right source of information about something and you know what to search for, then there's so much like really useful stuff. So I I remember being waiting group nine somewhere in airport. I think it was JFK. And it was like, what am I group nine? I, I think I've flown to like 41 states or something by this point in the US. And I'm like, I fly so much on BA and American Airlines, which are both one world airlines. And I remember the BA executive club scheme which is their fancy name for frequent flyers club and i was like why haven't i got any kind of status so i did a little bit of googling because there's kind of levels when it comes to airline status the first thing everybody tells you is to get a credit card and that works really well in the us so that if you get like american airlines credit card or some in the uk you get ba credit card and that gets you what called like avios points which are air miles in effect and you can use those to buy flights and things but most of the stuff online you see just stops there and it doesn't talk that most of the schemes at least that not the american airlines so american airlines and confusing american and american (laughs) american and delta you can get status by just spending a lot on credit cards but for most airline schemes, they have they have their air miles and then they have these magic points. So the UK, the British Airways equivalent is called tier points. And you get given those by how many, like how many flights you take and also what level and how far the flight is. What I by watching YouTube videos and actually finding people who've done this and knew what they're talking about with the BA scheme. It's different for each scheme. This is the irony of it. So if you're flying Qatar Airways and you'd need to understand their scheme, how they earn Q points, which is their equivalent, for example. But with British Airways, the way it works is you get, for one thing, it's really skewed towards business and first class travel. It's very, it's almost impossible. You would have to fly back and forth to Dublin every week <laughs> to get like silver status. I think it might not be entirely true, but you literally get like five tier points and you need 600 to get silver status. But if you fly long, if you fly on a business class flight, 
longer than 2,000 miles, you get 140 tier points. Now, what is weird and people don't appreciate is that if you say you were you were fortunate enough somebody was paying for you to fly business class to LA, what would seem like obvious to most people is you would just fly direct from Heathrow to LA. Yeah, that's for sure. The most, that's the most convenient way to do it. But from an airline status point of view, you don't want to do that because that's about 6,000 miles and you only get extra points from buying 2,000 miles plus. So what you want to, what like people who are chasing status do is they will fly to New York and then okay. change planes and then fly to LA and that's two separate. So that's double the number of tier points oh, of flying direct. And the other weird feature, and this is partly caused by taxation, but I think it's also the waning of the moon and the rest of it, in that business class flight from other European cities, even though you're flying longer because you're connecting via Heathrow, is considerably cheaper than going from Heathrow directly. Part of that is tax because there's air passenger duty on business class flights, but part of it is, I don't know what. So hmm. what I said in that LinkedIn post was I actually like, right, I'm going to actually do this. I'm going to get silver status in one journey right at the start because British Airways has like the executive club year is from when you join the scheme every year, the anniversary. So I joined in August, whenever it was 2016 or whatever. So August this year, it was this year. I'm still thinking, are we in 24 yet? No, we're in 23. It's so confusing. Yeah. This year, like August the 8th, I'm like, right. So I'm flying to Dublin. So I got, I actually used airline points to get me to Dublin. Stayed overnight in a hotel, which is an extra cost if you want to do this, to be fair. And then next morning, flew back to London. <laughs> well, I, I live on the other side of London, so it's not quite as okay. insane as it sounds. But <laughs> flew back to Heathrow. And that journey itself is worth 40 tier points. Mm-hmm. Then flew to JFK. Stayed overnight in JFK and then flew to Santa Ana, which is near near Los Angeles. It's a different airport. And that got me like 300 tier points, which is half the silver thing. And on the way back, obviously, I earned the rest of the status. And brilliant. The thing is that it's actually... The funny thing about airline status, at least BA airline status, is that if you're flying business class all the time, it doesn't make much difference because what it does is it gives you business class like privileges when you're flying in economy i see i was so, gonna ask you what you get yeah so like in november i went to las vegas for a conference 20 books to 50k Ooh, and like, yeah okay yeah I, I flew actually flew redemption flight but i flew economy but i could use the airline lounges at uh throw um you get priority boarding you get you mean if I checked in a bag, which I don't, you get priority. You can use the business class check-in lines. There's lots and lots of benefits. And also you get, nice. the important thing on British Airways, you get free seat purchase. Oh, do you? Yes. So I don't know if you know British Airways. Normally, you can pay to get a seat or mm-hmm. you, can, you can go from the scrum at check-in time at 24 hours beforehand. Yeah. But because I'm silver, that's something you get silver status, though. Bronze, which is clearly known as brown, because it's not very good. Bronze status isn't too bad. You get priority building and you get week. You can you can pick a seat a week before 
So mm-hmm. you are going to be beating everybody else. So because for me, I I always have to pick a seat because I was on an aisle seat if I'm in the economy. I've too often once or twice I've been stuck in a middle seat and that's a nightmare. It is a nightmare. Uh, yeah. And a window seat sometimes, the nobody next to me is nice, but otherwise it's like... Yeah, I'm with you. I want the aisle seat. Thank you. I want to be able to get up and down. So, yeah, I mean, I, I am going to go for gold status when I go and try and go, which is 1,500 points. I don't, frankly, I don't know if gold status is really worth it. What you can do if you get gold status is you get access to the first class lounges, but there aren't that many of them. Uh, and you don't get the very highest first class lounges. They don't let you in, which okay. is a bit weird. So there's oh. like the Concord room at uh, Heathrow, which is only actually fly first class, but they'll let you oh. in. I see. Uh, yeah. And the other thing that you can get if you gold status is they you can go through the first wing at Heathrow. So mm-hmm. that's like it's a separate first class area. So rather than just the fir- the business class and fast track lane that you get from Sylvia. Yeah. You can go through the first wing. Ooh. Yes. And they're also supposedly, and I don't know if this is true, but this is supposedly if you're gold status, they they leave the seat next to you unreserved until the last like things on the flight. So when they're giving out the seat, the gold the seats next to the gold status people are the last ones allocated. Allegedly. So you might have a spare seat next to you if you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah, this is what they claim, but this has never been... Nobody's actually confirmed whether this is true or not. So, Ooh, so you need to try it out and see. Yeah, but I'm not going to... I've got a, another convoluted flight via Venice in February. Okay. <laughs> it is, like, if you want to fly, it, it's it's one of those weird flight facts, but if you want to fly business class from Europe to the US, you are better to go from anywhere apart from London. Are you? Economy, yeah, with economy flights, it seems to be the other way around. It's like London is the cheapest place to fly from. But for business class, and where where you go is it just variable. So when I was looking to book this in like September time, I think Barcelona and Venice were the cheapest places for, think, for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get Barcelona to work as a thing. But I was like, well, I always wanted to go to Venice. So I'll, I'll go to Venice and then... <laughs> Stay overnight, fly out, and then come back and then visit Venice. So that's what I'm doing in February. That's a good idea. I'd like to go to Venice. Are you going to a conference? Yeah, social media marketing world. Of course, yeah. And Hawaii. And Hawaii. So Hawaii is a first as well. Hawaii is the 50th. So 50th state. No conference there, no for once. So I'm not going to like Hawaii con or anything. (laughs) Just a holiday. Yeah. That'll be so nice. I'd like to go there too. I've got I've got a lot of places on my list. You're doing really well with your list, I think, and it ticked off. <laughs> yeah, well, the funny thing is, I'm, I'm then going to have gold status and I've got nothing planned after that. So I'm like, where can we go? Yeah, you need to test out your gold status, don't you? Once, yeah, and it's like, as I say, you don't, you probably wouldn't, well, even though it's slight difference because you could use first class lounges rather than, because... In Heathrow, there's a first-class lounge, and then there's a super first-class lounge, and then there's, like, the business class lounge. It's, it's I all... just had no idea. <laughs> yeah. You get free dr- food and drink, usually. So, I mean, there is a real 
especially on your own, not to end up just drinking champagne and stuff in the lounge all the time. <laughs> if you don't want to be too drunk on the flight. Not so. too drunk, no. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, so when you're not travelling and yeah. you're here, you run two shows don't you yeah. oh no not a another live show and book yep. chat live yeah and i believe before those you hosted another show for about three years was it begin self-publishing podcast yep. so you've got quite a lot of experience in podcasting and live shows so it'd be great to talk a little bit about that yeah and we start by talking about what you look for in guests for your shows what makes a good guest well, I mean, the funny thing is, like, the two shows are quite different in terms of the guest profile. Oh, no, not another live show. Basically, anybody with an interesting story can come on the guest. <laughs> I mean, that's part of the joy. The show is not remotely commercial. It should be. Mm -hmm. It probably should be, but there is. So we just talk to people who are interesting. And the whole fun of the show is we can talk to anybody. So if you're a lion tamer or something, then I'm happily have you on. And that would be great. If anybody is watching and they are a lion tamer or something like that, that will be really interesting guests to come on. Yeah. Book Chat Live is a show I, I do for money. Well, I don't really. I do, it, it does earn money, Book Chat Live, because it's an affiliate-based show so I, it goes live on amazon live which is a u.s platform on amazon itself and the show format is that people go through their favorite books so you either beforehand you would send me a list of eight to 16 books sometimes people send me four books and sometimes people send me 25 books but <laughs> if they're and they should be available on amazon and we literally go i say hello victoria and then I say book number one is how to podcast like a pro or whatever by, by Victoria Manion. <laughs> and that is the format of the show. So actually for either show, a half decent pitch could get you on. And I've like a, a lot of the advantage of going to conferences is it's a very good place to find guests. Mm -hmm. So, like, I talked to the guests from last week on Oh No, Not Another Live Show with somebody I saw speak at a conference him and his wife were talking about filmmaking, converting their book into a film. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and he was somebody I saw and I I tagged him in some Instagram posts and he liked it back and I was like, oh, do you have to come in on the interview? And that's how that interview started. So the biggest mistake I see people making, not meaning to take away from your job, because I know you do this all the time, helping people, but that they don't, no, they don't even bother to watch the show or find out anything about the context of the show. I still get people pitching me for the Begin Self-Publishing show. Thanks. And the Begin, Begin Self-Publishing show, I did as an interview format show for about the first 120 episodes. And then I changed to doing an individual where I was helping people self-publish books. And that was following the same people going through. So it hadn't been an interview show for years anyway. But I would still get people who were pitching and like, I think my, and then it's like somebody who's nothing to do with begin self-publishing, like self-publishing. It's like, I'm a trapeze artist and I think my, I would be really great for your show. Now, somebody doing that for Oh No No, another live show. Yeah, maybe. But it's the whole kind of generic pitch to everybody kind of thing. I mean, it's like, I'm trying to fill up, most podcasters are trying to fill up their schedule in general with guests 
I mean, it's, it's, you know, from doing it, it's a lot of work to actually find and place people because yes, I've got a booking system and I, I would recommend that for any, so I'll use once hub was a like Calendly is an equivalent one that a lot of people use yeah. so that you give them a link and then they book it in. But a lot of the time, You'll give them the link and then they'll be like, oh, yeah, I booked in April next year. And I'm I'm like, great, it's April filled up. But I really want like people to fill the slots in January or <laughs> yes. February or whenever. So, yeah, just the least watch, find an episode of the show and watch it. And like, oh, yeah, they don't have guests. So maybe I shouldn't pitch that show. Or they are looking for readers. So it's not like I'm a trapeze artist. I think I'd be a great guest on Book Chat Live. It's like, well, do you read books? <laughs> and you'd be also be surprised at how many, how much of a barrier to entry is asking guests to do something. So Book Chat Live, mm-hmm. I need people to provide me with the list of books before the show. And yeah. that is a, well, I mean, that's work. So yes. there's a number of people who will be like, oh, yeah, I'm, and then I'm asking them, can you send me the list of books? And they're crickets. You never hear from them again. So, yeah, that's another thing that if you're going to pitch to be on a show, do the the work to get on it if you want to be on it. I mean, there's nothing wrong, actually, with finding out that you need to do it and then just saying, that, oh, I haven't got time to do this, but you might be interested in future. Mm -hmm. That's perfectly fine. But pitching to be on a show and then it's like just ghosting the person yeah which a few, quite a few times you probably find it, it it's not a great way to do it it's not is it no so those are kind of my like and, and it is it is a bit like herding sheep at times uh, i mean you've got the thing you're doing it for other people which is probably even worse because you've got two lots yeah, of we sheep. do the herbing herding herbing yeah. <laughs> yes her, herding cats is what i meant not sheep sheep is relatively yeah. easy well some yeah. of them but yeah yeah herding cats yeah Yeah. definitely no I I know what you're saying do you ever find yourself on those mailing lists as well where they've got like unsubscribe at the bottom and it's obviously just this blanket pitch that's gone out like the trapeze artist you mentioned I think we had a clown or something you know I think I'd be great for your show and that is really there's a little hack that I've done and I I found this Mm. the other day in the with your email address, at least with Google, I think this is true on Outlook as well. But if you've got a Gmail account, you can put plus something after your the first before the at symbol. So okay. if you like Victoria Benyon at gmail.com, for example, yeah. and it can be your domain name if you're using so I'm yeah. like standing pressed with my host of You can put a plus symbol after Victoria Benyon and then some little tag. And that will still go to Victoria Benyon. So what I've used, like I I worked out the other day that somebody I'd signed up to their email list. And for at least for that time, actually, I don't know what I put plus and then a little code for what their account was. And the other day I saw another email and I'm like, I did sign up for this. (laughs) And then it had the plus for this other person's account. So they clearly sold their email list to the other Game. Oh, like, that, yeah. that's a good tip yeah so i mean if, if i was more organized i'd do it all the time but that can actually especially if you're like in a shopping center or somewhere and you have to sign up to get wi-fi that's like where oh, you yes. put plus because then you can also block it because you can say anywhere where the 
two addresses, Victoria Benyon at plus shopping centre blue something. What's the one in Kent called blue something? Like blue water. Yeah. Blue water, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, um, that's a really good tip. It's very helpful. Yeah. So okay. now you can block all those annoying subscribe people because there are, in the US especially, I mean, they are breaking GDPR rules, but... Yeah, yeah it happens up. a lot though, doesn't it? Exactly. It happens all the time. So do you, what's the most memorable guest you've ever had on your shows? Is there anyone who stands out? Going off tangent, maybe give me a chance to think of who the most memorable guest is. But I forgot what the tangent was I was going to go on now. Oh. It's like... Was oh. it throwing questions out and surprising your guest? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is one of the interesting things about... There were two kind of podcast shows. There were those where... People send the questions. Well, there's there's guests and there's shows like mm -hmm. those that will send you a list of questions beforehand. Yeah. Some of which will ask you to write a reply in. I've seen yes. that, and that's a terrible idea. Agreed. Uh, but also, there are some where like I've had people can say, "Can you send me a list of questions?" And I'm like, "Well, that's not how the show works. It's yeah. basically we make it up as we go along." But yeah. Like book chat live. It's like, well, there is no questions. It's basically, what do you like about this book? Yeah. So it's quite a full managed mm. show. But yeah, that is that's an interesting difference between people and shows because there are some shows where it's very people are very regimented and they feel that they have to some shows yeah. they ask the same questions every single show. Yeah. And that can work, but I think mm -hmm. it doesn't. I think that was from people like Johnny Dumas's show where they had a daily oh, yeah. thing and they asked the same question. And that for a daily show, I think that works. But like if you're doing a weekly show, it's like, do you really want to be saying like who's yeah. the most interesting guest you had? <laughs> All right. Well, give me that give me no <laughs> mental bandwidth to think of the interest of yeah, been like interesting guests, and then there's been good guests. Like last week's, I think it's Jonathan Yanez was, mm -hmm. and he he's more or less in the process. Him and his wife in the process of starting their own Hollywood studio. Seemingly, that's interesting because he's an he's a best selling sci fi and fantasy author, and they've started to recruit. They they've started pitching their shows as television shows. Okay, he was kind of saying like, oh well. We we hate paying all this money for studio space, so we think of starting our own studio. That's the way, isn't it? Yeah. In terms of other interesting guests, I mean, I talked to a person with dual personality. Di is did or D? My my memory is not working. Like that was interesting, yes. if a little bit frightening, because he mm. was a little bit strange. But then he's got dual multiple personalities like not just dual personalities he was saying about he's got about 15 personalities really that was it that was an interesting show i'm not sure it's a particularly easy show to watch or to like <laughs> to do but that was yeah. an interesting guest yeah we had an adhd expert who walked out in the middle of the show to talk to his girlfriend for a while oh which is like guessing he had adhd yeah yeah he was an expert on adhd and he had the adhd Okay. Trying to think like some, but it's like we've talked to all sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds, mm -hmm. like David Wibbington, who like he, he lectures about helping old people to use technology on cruise ships. Uh, oh. He had him on recently. Yes. And one of our 
best performing guest was this guy who was a retirement in Mexico expert, it's a former yeah. TSA officer who runs this channel, retiring in Mexico, no ball. <laughs> and, uh, it, that was a really interesting show. Yeah. I mean, that, the funny thing about that show was that he was somebody I liked watching his videos on YouTube and I was almost stalking him to try and get in contact. And it's like, you can do, I mean, I think that is where like, not meaning to promote your show, uh, your uh, services, but having somebody who can spend the time to kind of make those relationships because yeah, you can do it, but it's like a lot of the time you are just somebody's in your in inbox and you're like, oh, well, we'll, we'll add them on because you need to fill that slot on the show. Yeah. But ideally it would be like, Every week, I'd have somebody that I, I'm, I, I, you'd almost employ somebody to go after these guests that you want yes. and to build those relationships. Because a lot of the time, it's with him. I was commenting, I was commenting on his Instagram posts, and I was trying to, you know, no response for ages. And then I think I commented on one of his YouTube videos somewhere or some other platform, and he was mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah. and I was like, oh, do you want to get him on the show? And that, and and it's not. What's interesting is that the guests, the level of guests you think you can get is not proportionate to how, in your mind, at least how famous they are. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can have like, I mean, we had like Jay Baker on our show, or Jay, yeah, it's Jay Baker, he's got two these, but he's yeah. he's the uh, son of Tammy and basically there were two evangelical preachers in the in the 90s who were like he was the, the father was done for like famously done in the massive scandal but this whole movie made about him with the spider-man guy as the lead <laughs> oh my goodness and uh, yeah he was really fun but i'd never heard of him but it was christelle my co-host who was like approached him and like can you come on the show but then she was starstruck on the entire interview like that's the problem and, isn't it <laughs> yeah but it's like some people most people well a lot of people are just happy to do interviews if they like mm -hmm. the person they will do the show and you piss them polite and they go through the things they will come on the show other people who are not really that famous will, will just be like oh no or they'll say oh, how many listeners do you have on your show or how many viewers and it's like well yeah not many <laughs> yeah and also there's so many benefits to being a guest and i think if people are just focusing on those those numbers they're missing a lot of it yeah, well, the thing the thing is that, like, I always think about, like, doing an interview. So, you know, you're planting in the seed because, mm -hmm. A, you don't know that in future, like, this show might be, like, you might suddenly get, next week, you might suddenly, for whatever reason, become number one in all of the YouTube exactly. podcast charts and the rest of it. Or it might be two years down the line. And <laughs> it's like... Yeah, each each show you do is like planting a seed. It's a little bit of credibility. You can say you've been on the Victoria Benin show. Or, <laughs> what is this show called? Is it Victoria Benin? The, the Victoria Benin show, the best guest. <laughs> you can see how poorly I've done. Don't do what I do, kids. Do like look up the name of the show beforehand. I did listen to an episode with the start, at least the start of an episode with Devon Green. So at least I oh, knew yeah. kind of what the show. He, he'd been on. It's like been on yours, he's been on book chat live and i wonder who's provided him as a guest I don't know. <laughs> so yeah it, it's what was i saying i was like uh, my mind i don't know what's wrong with my mind this morning it's all right we were talking about the the benefits and how is planting yeah. the seed but yeah 
absolutely and I've placed guests on shows that were you know they were kind of smallish and then a couple of years later they've exploded and then the listeners who find the show when it's bigger they they go back don't you I know I do is it when I'm listening to the podcast I like I go back and I'm like I listen all the way through so yeah you are getting that sometimes sorry especially if it's like a specialist show so let's say You found a show about airline status. I don't think they're right. But you would go back and listen to all of the technical. I remember like when I was getting into podcasting, I listened to a lot of podcasting shows. And I would go back and listen to all the hundreds of episodes because they're all dealing yeah. with a different aspect. And people don't like repeating the same topics again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And when I got in, that's how I found social media marketing world, actually, originally, was that I, I was... At the time, I was like trying to work out how to sell books because mm-hmm. I've fantasy and sci-fi books, and I was like, "Well, I'll listen on." I started listening to podcasts because there's a lot of self-publishers on podcasts, and then I was like, "Well, why don't I listen to some marketing podcasts?" So I typed in marketing, and then I got few yeah. few marketing shows, and then I heard Michael Stelzner, who runs Social Media Marketing World, interviewed on one. And I thought, "Oh, like so I listened to his show." Yeah. And then it's kind of like, and then like, oh, party on an aircraft carrier, which they used to have at Social Media Marketing World. Did they? Yeah, yeah. It used to be on the Midway in San Diego. They used to have a party for years, but then the conference outgrew the size of the aircraft carrier, so they couldn't have it anymore. Um, That's what they said, or they were saving money. I don't know. Yeah, one or the other. So, yeah, that's how I found them out about Social Mm -hmm. Media Marketing World. And actually, a lot of conferences and events I found from podcasts and things. So. And that's work as a as a medium they do they do and i think that's another point really that you raised that you heard michael being interviewed on a different podcast and that's how you found his event and all his yeah Yeah. introduced to him so if you're growing a show or you've got a conference or something you're trying to promote i think being a guest can be a great strategy yeah and um i mean one thing i would be uh a lot of podcasts well, they, I think, I'm not sure if this has changed, but like the average median podcast has about like 140 downloads a month. Mm. It's very, very it's low. It's small. It's small. Mm. But, so, but podcasting is a very intimate medium. So even audio podcasts, especially, I think video yeah. less so, mm-hmm. but I mean, this is why I've always, I've kind of, well, and also I'm a bit of a cheap Charlie. So like, it used to be the case that you had to pay for hosting a podcast, even though I think I still pay $5 a month for begin self-publishing. I should just mm-hmm. take it down, but <laughs> too much and softly. But YouTube, you don't, you yeah. don't pay for hosting. But there's something about audio, like a call to action on audio, I think just works so much better than any, any other medium. Like, because there's just something about them in... So I think a lot of people get podcasting wrong as they think it should be like a top of funnel thing. Like I'll launch a podcast and I get a million down. That's not going to happen probably. Mm-hmm. But if you can send enough people to your podcast, that podcast will convert for you. I think yes. podcasts should be, people should think of it further down the funnel. So to, I'm talking like a marketer. Yeah. Here. Like the idea of the funnel, if like anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about is that Marcus has talk about like people like as if they're little dots, but let's say <laughs> say you're, you're selling your let's think of a widget or something like let's say you you sell cars for example like you've got a car show 
the top of uh, you what you need customers coming in you need people who are well, like they're, they're people coming in the door of your car show, showroom so they can buy the top of the funnel is kind of like just anybody and then some of those people will come to your car showroom and like they, as you get closer and closer to this point of sale well, that's further down the funnel so it's funny people will be some people won't get to your car showroom in the first place so they'll be in the car park somewhere I think like podcasting is closer to the car park when it is to the people. A lot of people think it's like people in the middle of nowhere will find you. And there is yes. some element of that, but in general, like you're better to use other ways. So something like a YouTube channel or a blog is a better way. Then get them into your podcast and then convert them and get them through the, yeah. onto the table, signing the deeds to get the car or whatever. That's yeah, a terrible definitely. marketing example. No, it's not terrible. I, I like it. And I agree with you. I've definitely had clients who, before they've signed up, they've listened to the podcast. Yeah. And they'll often mention it. And I think you can get a sense of what the person's like a bit, can't you, from listening. As you said, it's quite an intimate medium. And there can be different reasons then why you choose to work with someone. But it can be something you connect with that they say or or that they, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I've seen, I'm not going to name names. I mean, okay. I could have. I put it, actually, the names probably wouldn't mind if I did name them, but I'd just have a big row with them like, on <laughs> internet. But there are, every couple of years, you will hear somebody who's usually a big influencer or a big blogger or somebody with an enormous audience somewhere else who starts a podcast and it goes like gangbusters and they sell they go to state to the top of the charts and they do thing. And then they'll be like, everybody should start a podcast. Well, everybody should start a podcast. And what they miss is that they've already got that audience. Yes. And because they're able to channel it through a podcast, they suddenly see the absolutely massive surge in sales and conversions. Yeah. So to them, it's like, well, if you're just Joe blogs on the street and nobody knows who you are, you should start a podcast. And I don't think that works. You need to put in the effort to get the people to push into your podcast. If that makes sense. You do. I think you need to be clear on why you're doing your podcast. Yeah. Because I know if we, as we've talked before, there's a lot of work and it's often a yeah. lot more work than, than someone might think when they're just like, yeah, that's a great idea. I've heard this person say I should start a podcast. And I think that's why you see so many fade. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I don't think how many podcasts I've been a host on because I've been on, I was a guest host on this guy in Australia who had a podcast about London, but he faded after about four shows. Mm. Um, he'd never been to the UK, but he was oh. he put a post in the podcast movement group, I think, <coughs> saying, I'm looking for a co host in London. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> I don't even know if I've kept in touch with the guy, but it, it's like, yeah, it is a lot of, well, it doesn't have to be a huge mm -hmm. amount of work. But the trouble is it's a big learning curve to a lot of it. And there's also a lot of social kind of getting used to being on camera or being used to listening back to your own voice. And also, like, there's a certain amount of pride in how much time you put into editing. Editing takes ages if you want ages to be well ages. <laughs> and i've been getting really into video editing lately and it's funny because video editing is something that you kind of go through these stages and you think like to begin with oh you're just chopping stuff up and it's quite easy to do and it's there's so much more to video editing than mm -hmm. that. even colors and things like 
I'm doing a course on this Black Friday thing I did with Jimmy.com about color grading. And it's like ridiculously, I've only gone over it. It takes me about two hours to go through it. But there's so much because video cameras don't represent colors all the same. Each camera is different. And also, like, sometimes you want to insinuate colors and the rest of it. And it's so complicated. And that's just coloring for the thing. Yeah. And like it's the same with audio editing. Audio editing is like the first. If you ever, if you go back and listen to the first episodes of Begin Self Publishing, I think they're still on available. You will hear me talking like this very quickly because I've cut out all of the gaps and I like to and I sound like a Dalek. I've said that quick. too, right to start with. I think it's like a very <laughs> common mistake. Breathing, all the breathing noises all go. All the ums and ahs and everything. I, I mean. There's a lot of debate in the podcasting community about ums and ahs and whether you should take ums and ahs out. I'm in the middle point in the, I think you should take out most of them because you can get away with just not, I mean, I suppose with live shows, like I, I don't go and edit out the ums and ahs from the live shows I do because oh, they're live, so I don't have to do anything. Exactly. <laughs> um, but if you have a guest who's really nervous, and I've heard people interview people who don't edit, uh, and you just end up with like, you know, so get to the point. Because they're like, yeah, yeah, Victoria, I might actually uh, get around to talking to you about the answer. It's very hard to listen through. Agreed. But if I just go like once, then that's not so bad. And sometimes it can actually add to the intonation. True. And if you just chop them out, I mean... Look, certainly with video, it's difficult as well because like, I've done video editing and sometimes you're better to mute it rather than like chop it. So, because especially like if you're doing like somebody goes and then they move their head over here, <laughs> yes. then what happens is you jump over and like, yeah, you, you can see the problem with it. So sometimes you're better to just mute it, especially if it's more kind of like a tick or something. The other thing with video editing that is very useful, and I always forget, and I'm only just like, it's like zooming in and out can be very useful to get round cuts in the editing uh, video. So, well, that's uh, a good tip. Yeah. I mean, video editing is a lot harder than people think it is. Uh, and I, it's one of those things where you get to a certain point and then you realize just how hard it actually is to be like professional grade video editing people. And that's like, there's a lot of people who don't know what they're doing in the industry probably including me a little bit at the moment, but at least I know I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but saying that, you are working on some tools for podcasters, aren't you? Yes. Yes, this is my secret project that I've been telling people about, even though, because I used to be many years ago, in the deep days of the 2000, until about 2014, I used to work as a software developer and IT manager. Okay. So I've got experience in programming and development. Now, DaVinci Resolve, which arguably is the best video editing package, I don't want to say like it is. It has the advantage of being free. I'm in a free version. The paid version's better, but the free version's pretty functional. There's a programming language you can use to automate everything in DaVinci Resolve. So I've been experimenting with that. So, so far I've done things like take a, like this horizontal video and then move you above me on the to make a vertical short video. So that kind of stuff. Oh, that's good. 
So it's it's going to be a set of tools for doing things like that where, yeah, you could do it yourself in video editing, but it'd be easier just to load this script and press a button and it would like, oh, take this clip, cut it out, create a short, put subtitles at the bottom, that kind of stuff. That the biggest really issue handy. I've got is just what to actually do with it because there's so much you can do. And the weird thing is that there's not much documentation for it. So it's all a case of I have to just kind of try it and see what works. Okay. And I've worked out how to do the whole shorts thing, but I'm like stripping the audio off and putting that on and putting audiograms on and that sort of stuff. In theory, I could do. So Ooh. that's what I'm working on. So, yeah, because I, I'm very into like video editing, but... I think a lot of podcasters really don't want to have to do the video editing side. Yeah. So just something where you can press buttons and it will do it for them. That's that's what I'm developing at the moment. That's always good to win, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's like there is a difference in skill sets, I think, between doing the show and doing the editing. And you like <clears throat> even like somebody like Mr. Beast on YouTube, he doesn't do the editing side of things no. he doesn't do a lot of it he's a promotion sale drink salesman basically <laughs> see the guy who sells a drink was a different youtube but anyway i think um, do you mean prime i think yeah it's prime i think, I'm not sure. I think it's a different one but i'm not sure he mr b certainly has chocolate bars though doesn't he yeah but i'm not 100 percent sure i mean this is the thing like and it's very it's true podcast as well a lot of the time they will be hiring out a lot of the work so mm -hmm. if you're doing it all yourself then it's a lot it can be a lot of work depending on what quality level you want to take it to and also you need procedures and rhythms and batching helps though yeah. with a live show obviously that's not really an option <laughs> yeah um so yeah i mean it's there's so much also, I found going to podcast movement, the conference, that was really useful because it was actually technically a lot of skills about podcasting. Oh, I'd really like to go to that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the only trouble is I have it in August in very hot places mm -hmm. in the US. But this year, next year is in Washington, D.C., so it's not too bad, actually. Oh, that's quite nice. Yeah. You can go and visit the Lincoln Memorial. Not that I'm sure I'm going to go actually next year, but it's like, okay, I've got so far, I've got conferences for every month between February and June. So I'm like, oh, do I really want to travel some yeah. more? So I'm like, these are mostly UK conferences. So I'm like, mm, mm, maybe I've ever done it. Oh, that's quite a lot. That is quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on The Best Guest today and sharing yep. all your advice. Um, I'm definitely going to be more strategic with my flights in future. I've made some notes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I would say about BA, and mate, you, you have to make sure you fly, obviously, with a one-world airline, so somebody in the same group, because if you fly okay. United, they're not going to take your BA number. <laughs> right, yes. Uh, and also, it's like knowing you need to go onto your executive club thing, if, well, if you've got one, and find out when I your do. renewal date is. Because I mm. tried to kind of, I got up to bronze status the year before, but I wish I'd just not bothered and just wait until the new year. Right. You, they all disappear at the end of the year, your points. So yes. you want to do it at the start of the new year if you can. Okay, I'm going to look into this. Thank you. <laughs> now, where can listeners go to connect with you? 
But I've got my website, Stone and Progress, which is a bit of a smorgasbord mess of all the things I do in like books and rest of it. I'm Stone and Press on Twitter, Instagram, Threads. I'm Tim Lewis eight oh eight, I think, on LinkedIn. I have sent you all the links, so you thought I'm going to put all of those show in notes. show notes. Yes, and yeah, where else am I? Well, also I host of Oh No, Not Another Live Show. I think we, we interviewed you some time ago on that. You I think. did, you did. Yes. Lots uh, of fun. That was obviously the answer to the most interesting guest. Obviously. Whoops. And Book Chat Live is coming back. That you oh, can great. go bookchat.live on if you're in the US on Amazon.com. And you can actually buy the books midstream or it's on YouTube. Uh, you can just like Book Chat Live and look for my garish thumbnails. And uh, yeah, what else was done? Oh, yes, I'm also Tim Lewis TCF YouTube channel, where I haven't done a... Sh- I'm going to do a video about the whole airline status thing at some point, but I thought I'd do a LinkedIn post because people kept asking me about it, and I was like, okay, I'll yeah. do this, and then I'll do the actual video about it at some point in the future. Good but, thinking. Yeah, so there will be a video about airline status and all my 2023 travels because I visited nine states this year and shown oh. exactly zero of them on YouTube. So, yes, yeah, you definitely need to do that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, also I can also show off my new coloring skills as a uh, <laughs> as a video editor. I'll Fantastic. be like, oh, right, brightness. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, thank you so much, Tim. It's great to be on the show. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Guest Podcast today. I'll talk to you again in the next episode.